God of love, give us ears to hear your word and a readiness to respond. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do please take your seats. Well, good morning. My name is Nick. I live just south of the river, coming into Cannon Street this morning, 13 minutes away. And I'm a lay minister in my parish church just outside Lewisham, which my wife also happens to run. I also work for the Church of England, as has been mentioned, in a team that focuses on how we enable the whole people of God to live out the good news of Jesus confidently in all of life, Sunday to Saturday. So imagine my delight when the lottery of the lectionary landed us with the gospel reading we have just heard. And it's the challenge of what it means to follow Jesus in everyday life that I will be focusing on this morning. And as I was thinking about this, it seemed to me that our lot in everyday life, the roles we have, the jobs we take, happen more by accident than design. When I was eight, I never imagined that I would end up working for the Church of England, doing things like preaching at St. Paul's Cathedral. I thought I'd be doing something way more exciting, that I'd become an astronaut or a paleontologist or a pig farmer. Sadly, my ambition to fly spaceships was thwarted by the need of glasses. A desire to dig for dinosaur bones waned when I couldn't even find those fake fossils that you get in those natural history museum kits. And as to why I never ended up as a pig farmer, well, let's just say that I found out that a pig's bite is worse than its oink. But when we think about the concept of calling, what it means to follow Jesus, Sometimes I wonder whether our first thought is that it means doing something else. Not surprising, perhaps, because this passage seems to affirm that proper following involves dropping everything and going off to do something worthy. Become a missionary. Take a job tackling a social issue. And so I want us to rethink that perspective this morning. And I want to suggest that finding our following starts in our everyday experience of God and will most likely involve deepening that sense of where we are now is important to God. And there are two things from our gospel reading that I want to use to highlight that. The first is to see repentance as rethinking our place alongside God's presence. And the second is seeing following as reframing the roles we have in God's purposes. So we're told in this passage that Jesus is preaching a message of repentance across the local area. He's going from town to town to tell people to repent for the kingdom of God is near. Why? Is this a particularly bad neighborhood? with lots of wrongdoers who need writing? I don't think so. You see, I think part of this message is that repentance is needed because people haven't noticed how near they are to God's presence. What Jesus is saying, I think, 
is more like this. Stop. God is close. Wait. God is bringing hope. Look. God is changing lives. Stop for a moment. Find this. This month, the Church of England has released a series of reflections called Everyday Faith. You'll find them if you search for that phrase on the web or social media. And one of the stories in that set of reflections shows us, I think, what this type of repentance means. It's called The One About the Party. It's a story of Jem. Jem is 11, and there have been a lot of parties recently. Jem gets invited to all of them, but she's just been handed an invitation from Sarah, and she's not too keen on accepting this one. It's not that she doesn't like Sarah. She doesn't know her particularly well. But it's just that, well, Sarah doesn't really have many friends in the class, and as she's talking about it, she's realized no one else seems to want to go to this party either. But yet, over the next few days, Jem begins to have second thoughts. She knows that being a Christian means being kind. But what does that look like when everybody else doesn't want to go to this party? As Jem is thinking and praying, a horrible thought dawns on her. What would it be like if I had a party and no one came? So the next day, she tells Sarah, I'll be there. And she tells her friends that she's going too. And as a result, Sarah gets to have her turn at having a full class party. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus himself describes the kingdom of God as being like a party. So when we hear the phrase, repent, for the kingdom of God is near, maybe we should hear, stop, where's the party that you're being invited to? Who's not at that party? Who can we throw a party for? What party might we be missing out on? if we don't pay attention. So repentance begins with seeing that we are not unimportant to God. We are invited into his party. And in seeing this, we can begin to find what the kingdom looks like and feels like in the ordinance of life, like Jem did. It's so important that this is a message for ordinary people in ordinary things that I think Jesus makes a special point then of choosing some very ordinary people to be his followers. Think about it. When considering a list of Galilee's most influential and inspiring people, how high on that list would you put fishermen? And when Jesus calls his disciples from being fishermen to becoming fishers of men, fishers of people, I don't think he is saying that this role is unimportant, or even that they shouldn't do that job again. I think he's using their everyday experience to help them see the bigger possibilities, the fuller experiences, the more meaningful tasks to be found in following him. Nowadays, the story might have Jesus walking into an office finance meeting, pitching up at a football match, 
or joining in in a lively conversation in a coffee shop. Follow me, accountant, and I will make your life count. Come follow me, fanatical football supporter, and I will show you who you need to support. Why are you just talking about the change you want to see? Follow me and I will show you where you can be that change. So what roles do you play? Where do you work? And how might God be calling you to stop and notice? And to see that those roles in a bigger frame can serve God's kingdom. Another one of our everyday faith stories gets at this well. We call this the one about Victoria's secret. A few years ago, Victoria was an apprentice hairdresser in a busy salon. At the time, people in her church were asking themselves the challenging question of what difference does being a Christian make to our everyday lives? For Victoria, this question was all around washing hair. What difference does it make to be a follower of Jesus to the way you might apply conditioner? The difference that Victoria found was that as she does this, she prays. She prays for each person as she massages in the conditioner. Her praying is an invisible gift to her clients. As she, pressures the, as she pushes the pressure points to help relaxation, She's offering prayer points to add for God's blessing. That's her secret, her secret to following. Jesus is still calling people to follow him. When Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people, we are the people, I think, being asked to see what roles do we already have that might help others to notice that the kingdom of God is near. What gifts do we have that we might use in the service of calling others to this party? We might still harbour the dream of being something different, having a different role, a different job. That may very well be God's prompting. But I wonder, how is God prompting you to follow him now, where you are? Where is God nudging you to notice that the kingdom is near? What might this look like, as Jem and Victoria found out? Let's stop, notice where God is present, and see if we can join in.